Good to see you all. You made it through that snow. Nice. I don't know about you, but I thought spring was going to come earlier, earlier this week. I was like, goodness, what's going on here? But good reminder, we're still in the winter months, so it's good to see you all. So, um, yeah, so I'm Clem Boyd. I'm one of the elders here, and uh, I get the privilege of sharing with you about our identity as missionaries um, and how that's a core of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. But before I get there, I do, uh, Ray had mentioned that I um, uh, wanted to share a little bit of information about this class that uh, my wife and I are going to be leading. Um, it really, it's, uh, it's stated that it's a marriage class, but I, honestly, it's a relationship class. It's really available to anybody. Um, and uh, singles or, you know, people that are in college or whoever, basically, that, uh, that just want to learn how to love more like Jesus loves us and to live that out in our families uh, of God that we're all a part of. And um, so, and, and one of the things that, that Julie and I have discovered, and I know others as well, is that as we learn how to love as Jesus loves with our family of God, we're set up for successful relationships of all kinds, whether it's successful friendships, successful marriages, or whatever. Um, because we're learning how to live as uh, people who are doing what's in the best interest of others in spite of the cost to ourselves, which is exactly the kind of love that Jesus had for us. So uh, the class is going to start on the 13th. Um, I wish, you know, uh, Valentine's Day was on Monday this year. It would have been perfect, right? But it's the next day, so that's okay. Uh, we could learn on the 13th and carry it on into the 14th and hopefully the rest of our lives. But it's going to go from the 13th of February till I think April 17th is what it says there. The book's uh, Spiritual Love. Uh, I highly recommend this book, even if you don't take the class, because it is just so practical at looking what the love of Jesus looks like uh, for us and then for us to live it out to others. Uh, and especially, it's not afraid of addressing our strengths and weaknesses, Right? Uh, we all come to our faith from family backgrounds and life backgrounds, and we also come to this topic of love from lots of backgrounds as well, right? And God in his grace wants us to be able to walk in the light about that stuff and learn and grow by the power of the Holy Spirit to love as he loves. And those are the kind of things we really want to explore in this class. So um, if you are interested, uh, go to newcommunity.family. The home page right there, just scroll down to what's coming up next. There's going to be a link set up there, and you just click in there and sign up. So we're going to do the class here uh, in person, but we're also going to offer a Zoom option. So <clears throat> if Zoom is going to be your best, uh, best for you and where your life circumstances are, that's going to be available as well. So, and if you have any questions about the class, just let me know. And we are just asking for a $10 donation for the book. That's it. So, so let's talk about our, our identity as missionaries. But this is the third of a three-part series. John Grady started us off talking about how we are family. And the Bible says that when we accept Christ as Savior, God adopts us into his family. We become children of God. So there's a, a change that happens in terms of our vertical relationship with God as Father. 
Um, which if you read the Gospels and, and you realize a lot of people are confused when Jesus talks about my father, my father, and he's talking about God the Father, it's because he was initiating a change in the way we should look at God, not as a fearsome, you know, uh, wrathful, judgmental, you know, one wholly separate that we can't come close to, but one who we can address as Father now because of Christ. So that has changed, but according to the Bible, the change has also happened on the horizontal level between all of us who've also put our trust in Christ. And even with those who haven't, right? You know, Jesus, Jesus talks about how, you know, this love isn't just for those that we uh, are familiar with or, you know, we would easily relate to. It's, it's a love that God wants us to give out to all, um, including, he says, enemies. And uh, so that's a pretty broad swath you know, of people that we should be offering the love of God to. So, but, uh, so that's family. And then, Paul, uh, then Jay talked about how we're servants and how we get to live out the servant life of Christ uh, in our lives, that he came as one who didn't hold on to his position of authority and glory, but he voluntarily gave that up. He, he surrendered the right to use his powers in order that he could, might come and be found as a servant. That's the term that's used in Philippians 2. And, uh, you know, it says that Jesus in Mark 10, 45, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we get to live that out. That's a grace that God gives us, that we get to follow the example of Jesus into the lives of other people by learning how to give our lives away as Jesus and God the Father has given his life away to us. So, and then last, we're going to talk about being missionaries. And so, and that we get to be live on mission. We get to be a part of God's plan for the world. And I want to just start out by saying, this is something that we get to do. This is a joy that we get to participate in. This is not something that we feel like, uh, I, ho- I hope none of us, and, and I can't control this, but, but I hope all of us can understand, God by his grace has invited us into being a part of his kingdom-building project on the earth. It's a privilege. And he's also given us the resources to do it. It's not just that he said, go and do it, and I'm not going to help you. But he said he's going to be with us, and he's going to be in us to empower us to live out this life of mission for him. It's one that's done by the grace of God. We will fail as we live out our missionary identities. That isn't the basis of our identity. The basis of our identity is the finished work of Jesus, and we should always remember that. And I hope we, that is one thing I hope we are doing in our house churches and our discipleship groups and our one-on-ones is reminding each other of that all the time. Please, please remind each other of that. We need to hear that. Uh, when, When Paul writes to Titus and says, you know, remind the thing you should be telling each other is how God has loved us unconditionally and completely through the cross of Christ. I'm summarizing, but it's there. Uh, We should be doing that all the time with one another because it's so easy to slip back into a kind of a law mindset and I've got to do it in order to please God. Instead, we get to live out this identity as missionaries because it's a privilege and it's a joy. So the mission of Christ, it ought to be our number one mission, right? Mission is at, it's, it's right there in missionary. 
It's, we've been given a mission. We've been given a mission by God to be a part of his plan to take the message about Jesus Christ out into the world and then to help those that, that have accepted this free gift of salvation to grow in their understanding of what that means and, and how to live a life that reflects that love and that grace and that forgiveness. What a privilege that we've been given to be a part of God's plan. And obviously mission is something that a lot of times in being missionaries we think about it in terms of well you know this is something that you have to go to another country to do and obviously people that go to other countries to tell about Jesus they are missionaries but the fact is it's an identity it's not like oh you know perhaps some of us have been on short-term mission trips or some of us long you know long-term we've been maybe in other countries right and we may think, well, I was a missionary. <laughs> no, in Jesus, you're always a missionary. It doesn't matter where you're at. You belong to Jesus, and he wants you to be a missionary with the people that are around you. So actually, you guys are all missionaries now. You should be missionaries to one another today. The folks that are in this room, we should be doing that. And we should be missionaries. Wherever we go today, when you go, if you go to Acapulco for lunch afterwards, you should be missionaries there. You are missionaries, and that should be. You will be. It's a matter of whether you want to live that out by the power of Jesus while you're there and have that mindfulness that I belong to Jesus right here as I'm eating lunch. What does that look like? Or wherever else you go, back to your neighborhoods. If you go visit somebody in a hospital, you're on mission to the people that are maybe being tended to or if you're just there visiting. It doesn't matter. You're, you're there, and you are a missionary in that space. And that means you're carrying the, the love and the truth of Christ wherever you go. Um, your workplaces, it, it doesn't matter where you go. If you're, if you're watching the Bengals play today and you're going to get together in, with a group of friends, you should, you're, you're a missionary there. And you should be saying, God, how do you want to redeem this? Yeah, wherever we are, that's where we're mis- we are missionaries in that space. That's our field, okay? Um, God has uh, called all of us to go to those who don't know Jesus yet and to help people who have put their faith in Jesus to grow into full-fledged, sold-out followers. Um, you know, if you think about it, Jesus was really the first Christian missionary. He says several times in the Gospels that he was sent. You know, what is a missionary, right? It's a sent person, sent by somebody else on a mission. That's what Jesus was. He was sent by the Father. It says in John seventeen eighteen, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. And he's talking about his disciples. And this is his prayer in John 17 before he's arrested. Um, but he goes on to say in that prayer that the things I'm praying aren't just for these immediate group of guys and people that are near me right now, but it's for those who will believe in their message later as well. So he was covering all of us. We're sent ones because Jesus was a sent one. All of us right now sitting in this building in Xenia, Ohio, who know Christ. Peace be with you, Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's in John 20. And so because of that, we are sent ones because he was sent. 
What's the mission? We're familiar with it. I'm sure we know it. We talk about it here almost every Sunday. Uh, in fact, I would say if you don't know or have not heard Matthew 28, 18 through 20 cited here, you know, bad on me, you know, or bad on somebody because it's like we should always be talking about this. This is at the center of who we are as believers. And, uh, and I just talked about grace, and I'm saying bad on me. Bad, bad on me for saying bad on me. Anyway, so the mission, what is that mission? It's to go. That's the first thing that's stated. Jesus says go. Um, there's a lady that uh, we, we knew at camp uh, that we've been going to in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. <clears throat> and uh, I know I'm an Ohio State fan. I go to Michigan. What's up with that? Well, you know, they need missionaries too. So anyway, but, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lady, that, a dear lady who we just loved, and um, she could barely see. She, would, she was in our small group usually at camp, and uh, her name was Ruth. And uh, beautiful lady, and there wasn't much she could do. Like, she couldn't just get up out of her house and go visit neighbors because it was dangerous for her, all right? She was kind of homebound. But she had a phone that enabled her to, you know, activate it by voice, I believe. Um, so she would call people up or she would pray for people. She was living out her missionary identity even with the limits that she had. It was a mindset and a heart set that came from knowing that she was loved and accepted by Christ, that she belonged to God the Father. <laughs> so that animated her life, even with the limits she had, and she was nearly 100 years old, okay? Um, go, and she went. She went to the, to the ability she was able to go, she, she went. Um, and what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to make more missionaries. It says disciples, I know, don't, you know, don't hold me to the word verbiage there, but it, that's basically what it says. We should be missionaries who go make other missionaries. And it says we should baptize them. Like that's the initiating event that signals this person has made a decision for Christ. They're acknowledging it now to all of us that they're in his, that person is now in the family of God and they are also missionaries now. And that we should teach them everything that Jesus taught us. And that should go down to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and Jesus makes this astounding promise that he is going to be with us all the way to the end, energizing and inspiring this mission. And thank God that he is, because we can't do it. John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know what? I'm so thankful for that truth. <laughs> because he's promised to live his life through me as I get out of the way and humble myself and say, Jesus, do it. Please do it. Um, so yeah, we know the mission. And, uh, and I think we understand what the mission is. We've heard it, for sure. And I don't think it's really a question of whether we know the mission. The question is this. I guess this would be the question I hope we would all think about today. Are we captivated by this? You know what it means to be captivated by something, right? You know, most of us, you know, even if maybe we're not in a relationship right now, there's probably been somebody that's captivated us 
at some point, that sense of thrill of like, wow, so interesting, so cool. This should, this person in this relationship, it ought to be like, it ought to do something to my life, right? My life should be different because of this. Are we captivated by Jesus and are we captivated by the mission that he's given us? Does it thrill us? You know, does it inspire us, challenge us? Does it give us joy? I guess that's another thing I really want to emphasize. Is that Jesus said, it will give you joy. John 15, he talks about this. He says, as you guys are loving one another and you are together carrying out my call on your lives, your joy is going to be complete. He wants to give us joy. Does, does this, this charter, this mission that God has given us and this identity as missionaries, does it give us joy? Does it make us want to stretch things out in our lives, stretch out our schedules, you know, be more available than we've been be, be available before, even be uncomfortable in our availability. Do uncomfortable things, like, you know, drive through the middle of a snowstorm to this building you know, on a Sunday morning. That's one, one example, but in the one-on-one -on -one relationships and just the getting togethers with people and whatever else, you know, is it like, this is worth reorganizing everything for? Does it make us want to talk with people we don't know? And does it make us want to pour into people who we don't know that well, but who want to know something about Christ? Yeah, these are good questions for all of us to consider. It's a good question for me to consider because even if you're like, yeah, I, I think so. I, I feel like I am on that I'm on that train, and I want to keep on going. God's always trying to grow us from where we're at to something more because we're all on the path to becoming more like Jesus. And he was absolutely on mission when he was here. So we've all got places where we can say yes more to God about being missionaries for him. Um, so, you know, you think about it. What does it look like? You, what does it look like to be a person that's on mission? And you know it, right? You, you know when you're around somebody who's like that. Or maybe you're, you're thinking of yourself. It's like, yeah, I remember when I was like really like that. And maybe that's you today. I hope so. That's awesome. Um, there's just a sense of urgency, right? Joy, prayerfulness, this kind of like, let's go. Yeah, I want to go do this. Even though it's going to cost me something. People that are, are deriving their sense of life out of their identity as missionaries, they realize that it ought to shape everything they do. Uh, they have a confidence in God that he's the one that's going to open the doors, that he's the one that can use them, he's going to supply the energy, and he's going to help them stick even when it gets hard. You know, Julie and I, we've, we've known some, some cool people who really have been examples of that to us. And uh, one couple we've known for many, many years, uh, they were uh, missionaries in another country, the traditional way we think about missionaries, for a long time. They are now splitting their time between that country and U.S. And, um, but they're still totally on mission because it's their identity. It's not a box to check. It's who they are in Christ. And so you might say, well, when they're not in that country, they probably just, you know, I don't know, they're not, they're not doing missionary things. And it's like, 
No, they're totally still missionaries because it's, it's their identity as people. And so Pam is working with international students at a college in the, area, in a, in the Columbus area, and they've talked about going to... Uh, air, uh, these, these guys are fantastic. So they'll, they, they will go to places like there are various refugee commit, uh, communities in the Columbus, Ohio area. And if they know there are some like services that are being provided to those refugee communities, even without having necessarily a plan, they will go to where that activity is happening just so they can be available to like help people fill out forms and just walk through things and just to be there to help, to, to be around people. Um, Kurt will drive from Columbus and come down here and have lunch with me just random times you know, throughout the year because he wants to inspire me. And I'm like, man, thank you. <laughs> thank, thanks for being responsive to Jesus because I need some inspiration. And he, always, he is always inspiring and often challenging <laughs> for me. And I need that too. Um, we saw this missionary spirit here a couple weeks ago and it was so cool. I, it was so exciting to see how j- excited Julia was about this as she shared it with me. But, but Tara, who's here today right now, who's a part of We Are Family House Church. She, she kind of comes sauntering up to Julia after the second gathering, and she's like, you know, well, I know you've got students, and you guys have been connected with internationals before. Do any of your kids happen to know people who speak Ukrainian? Because there's some Ukrainian refugees at AIA. You can yell out and correct me if you want. But um, she says I'm on the right track, so that's good. But... Um, and Julia's like, oh, well, I don't know. Uh, Grace McClung, she was here at the 9 o'clock. She teaches ESL. She's part of Hebrews 10.23, house church. So she turns around to see if she can see Grace, but then she sees somebody that's in our house church, Angela, who is back doing audio and sound right now. And thank you, Angela and John and the worship team. Um, and she's like, oh, well, Angela's an officer in Mukapa, which is this missionary kid organization at Cedarville. And so she's like, oh, well, she probably knows some people. But then standing right next to her is Sarah Hershey, who goes to King Street. And she's also an officer in Mukapa. And Sarah's like, oh, yeah, I know some people who speak Ukrainian, who lived in Ukraine and speak English. And so now there's this process going on of connecting. I don't know if that's happened yet, but there's this process of connecting Cedarville students who probably go to other churches with Ukrainian refugees at AIA. And all that happened with four different house churches and who knows how many other churches. And that's just living as a, in your identity. <laughs> we didn't even have to cross the street for this one. <laughs> it just was here. And it was, it was initiated because Tara was faithful. She was living out of her missionary identity to bring that up. But we don't have to do it alone. Which that, that, getting ahead of myself, that's near the end of my talk. We're, we're meant to live this missionary identity out together. Look at what happened to the first disciples. In Acts 4, I mean, we kind of know what happened with those guys if we know the, the, uh, the stories of the Gospels. They were fearful. They were in hiding after the death of Christ. They were confused. They, they didn't know what to do. And then it's, you know, it's, few weeks later, right? Um, that they're out in Jerusalem and Peter's giving this amazing speech and they're doing, God's using them to do miracles and many are being reached for Christ. 
In Acts 4, 9, they're up in front of the religious authorities, and they're like, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness, which I don't know if any of us have experienced that, you're kind to this person, so you need to go see the police. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's where they were that day. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were captivated by Christ. They now had the Holy Spirit, and they were captivated by the mission that Jesus had given them. They were living out their missionary identity. So... Um, yeah, going back to this question, is, is this mission of Jesus, is this something worth losing some sleep for? Is it worth wading into difficult conversations for? Is it worth missing some meals for? Going the extra miles for? I, I think all of us would probably say yes. We probably would all say yes. But this is, and again, this is why we need to remember that we're under the grace of God. Our status before God the Father isn't based on us being, yeah, I'm gung-ho, 100%, 24-7, 365. And it's based on the finished work of Christ. What a blessing and freedom we have because of that. So we can ask the question, am I really there today? Like, does the mission, my identity as a missionary, does that really captivate me? And, you know, like I said, maybe you from the heart can say today, yes, it does. I know I can grow in it, but it does captivate my heart. And I say, praise God. That's the grace of God, too. But if you, you think about this question and you're like, you're not sure, you can admit it. We can be honest in the grace of God about that. Um... And it's something I guess I'd want you to just kind of take a second and maybe even offer up as a prayer to God. Lord, does the being a missionary for you really captivate me? Yeah. It's a good question to ask God. Because in his grace, it's not bad person. It's like, I want to welcome you into the joy of fully living out this identity. That's what he desires for us. He's a good father. He wants to give us good gifts. And I, I don't know, some of us maybe come from different places about what we believe about fathers, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Um... So, even before we became Christians, God hardwired us 
to be missionaries. What's the first thing God does with Adam? After he makes Adam and breathes life into him, what does he do? He picks him up and he puts him in the garden and says, here, take care of this for me. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't typically get out of bed and start vacuuming, you know. And, uh, but God, like, picks Adam up the minute he's, he's made, and he's like, hey, I've got a job for you. <laughs> it's, it's baked into us to be on mission, right? It's, it's just there. Whatever that mission is that you, you have right now in your life, you know, we, we are designed for this. Um, you know, when Jesus came and he set us free from our sin and from death and we put our trust in him, he gave us this new mission. He gave us a new missionary identity. But the fact is, it could be that some of your old missions that you've had before you came to Christ or even while you've known Christ, other missions might be your number one mission. Other things might be your number one mission. I know we don't normally talk about it this way. Like, you know, we don't, we don't say, you know, well, I'm a missionary for baseball, you know. No, we just like, I like baseball. It's really cool, you know, or whatever it is you're into. Or Ohio State. Yes, I like Ohio State. I've got three kids who have gone to school. You know, whatever. I don't say I'm a missionary for Ohio State football, but I might as well. <laughs> we have different missionary identities, right? We don't talk about it like that. I'm a missionary for the stock market. The stock market will give meaning to your life. I'm not picking on people who work in the financial services industry, by the way. But that might be our number one identity. I'm a missionary for Etsy. I love Etsy. I personally don't, but maybe that's where you're at, okay? Um, I'll rat myself out on this one. I have, and I've caught myself, and I've, I've thought about this a few times. I think sometimes I'm a missionary for vacations. I love going on vacations. I love travel. My wife does too. Thank God that he brought us together because that's something we both enjoy and like to do together. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, I found myself sometimes at the end of a night talking more about places we've been than what's going on with my church or, or anything else, you know, and I'm not saying like, again, it's not like check the box unless I talk about Jesus during my time with my friends, it doesn't count. I'm not saying that. I, I hope you never get that idea. But I'm just saying, sometimes that's been my number one mission. Yeah. We don't like, we don't think about it that way, but that's really kind of the fact of it. And, and maybe, you know, you're not like, I, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if that's really me. You know, ask yourself this question. Well, what am I really into? Like, what do I find myself talking about a lot? That's what, caught, that's what busted me on the vacation thing. Because we were visiting with the Morrises, and I was like, man, I talked a lot about vacation trips during our time with the Morrises, you know? And it's all cool. Like I said, we're under grace. But it made me stop and think, 
What do you talk about a lot? What's your main thing? And as you're sitting here today and we're talking about these things, it might be a little uncomfortable. And you're like, ah, it's a little too personal. Okay, that's fine. Usually when I hear these kind of teachings, I usually go to, I really wish so-and-so was here <laughs> so they could hear this message because they really need to hear this. So let's think about that person you're thinking about. What are they into? Like, what's the thing that you think makes them tick, that gives them go to their life? Um, you know, is it exercise, vacations, sports fandom? Uh, you know, I don't know. The stock market, their kids, you know? And again, it's not that any of those things are bad. Those are good things that God's given us. Praise God. But they should always come under the number one mission. And how, how are we living out our mission identity in Jesus through all the other stuff? Again, it's not that those other things are bad, but how are they being, uh, how are they underneath the main mission that we have been given through Christ? You know, maybe you haven't figured out what your friend is a missionary for, so let's ask this question. What do missionaries do? Well, missionaries live out their mission with passion. Like, you know what I'm talking about. It isn't just, oh, yeah, I did this or did it. No, there's excitement. This is so cool. You need to go do this. It's amazing, you know? One of our, our dear uh, sisters in Christ really likes skating. And she has invited us to go skating. You could say maybe she's a missionary for skating. I don't know. But, you know, you talk about it. You're, you're enthused. You enjoy it. You're passionate. You convince others of the essential goodness and importance of your mission. And once the other person is bought in, you teach them how to carry out the mission too. And if you're really still not sure about this, just any parent you may know about what they've, what they've done to teach their kids about following a particular sports team. And I know I've got the Bengals up there. I'm not picking on them. But, you know, that's just an example. We do that with sports teams, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, just to kind of bring this thing into the house a little bit, near the end, the finish line. The last thing here when it comes to being living our missionary identity is that um, yes, each one of us is a missionary. But honestly, most of the time in the New Testament, it's talked about in terms of, the, of all of us together. We are missionaries. We're missionaries together. Um, you know, what were the first disciples? They were a community sent out on mission. They were a family. What did Jesus say? He said, who is my mother and brothers and everybody else? Well, everybody who wants to do the will of God. That, that was the group, you know, except for Judas, of course, but that was the group of people around him and the 120 that were there on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, they were together. They lived out their identity as missionaries together. Which brings me to one of our favorite passages around here, Acts chapter 2. And we know this story. This is where this church begins. It's where Peter gives his famous speech. 
He ends in verse 38 by saying, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says 3,000 people came to faith that day. Wow! Isn't that exciting? What if we had 3,000 people come to faith today? Today! And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But maybe there's a few of you that are like, Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And God could help us take care of those folks. They only had 120. We've got 300 or so, so no problem. And of course, the Holy Spirit, you know. God in us doing it, that that makes all things possible. But so 3,000 come to Christ. It's interesting, you don't really read about other 3,000 people coming to Jesus events in the book of Acts. You read about Paul going to cities and starting churches, and there was a lot of that. But like, even when he goes to Athens, it says some people became followers of Paul, uh, somebody named Dionysius, there was also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others, which was awesome, right? That's great, but it wasn't 3,000. So how does the church grow into what it grows into? So that, you know, by the time of Constantine, Christianity is a majority religion in the Roman Empire. That's crazy to think of. It says in Acts 5, all the people of Jerusalem held the church in high regard because the church really cared for one another and there were amazing things going on and people were getting healed and there's a lot of cool stuff that was happening they were very brave. But it says in Acts 5 that even though they were highly regarded, it says no one dared join them. It's like, well, that's a church growth problem if I ever heard one. <laughs> They're highly regarded, but no one wants to join them. But it then says in verse 14 of chapter 5, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Okay, this doesn't compute. How is it that there are people coming to know Jesus more and more all the time, but nobody dares join them? Well, the answer is in our passage that we like to refer to a lot. It's verses 42 through 47 in Acts chapter 2. What does it says? What's going on? It says, that the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, koinonia, being together, and not just like, you know, physical coexistence, but they were engaged with each other's lives, carrying out the love one another commands and being on mission together. They were really, uh, they were rooting in. They were breaking bread together and they were praying together. It says all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions so that people who in need, their needs could be met. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I hope that we have all participated in meals where we were eating our meals with glad and sincere hearts. Those are usually memorable meals for me where you're just like, man, I'm so thankful to be a part of this. 
And that was their experience. And what happened? It says in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's the mystery resolved. There were big meetings of Christians going on. There were people being healed. But what was really the most attractive thing? The Acts 2 church was a family of love relationships serving each other and living on mission together. And people wanted to join that. Can you imagine that? Who wouldn't? Those people really care for one another. And they're doing something that is a part, it's bigger than themselves. Yeah, I want to be a part of that. Whatever it takes. This is keeping with the promise of Jesus when he tells his disciples, a new command I'm giving you, love one another. As I have loved you, you should love one another. All people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And there's an implication in there. How can people who don't know Jesus know that we're loving one another if we're just keeping that to ourselves? Right? We should be living that out amongst the world wherever our fields are. Yeah, think about it. Coming on Sunday, it can be an intimidating experience for somebody that doesn't know God. And it's not that we aren't welcoming, friendly, kind people. We are. I, I know a lot of you guys. You're, you're cool. That, that isn't the issue. There's just patterns and things that we do here that are just unusual if you've never been a part of it. So what's a way to, to, to work with that with folks that are exploring God? Go where they're at. Go hang with them. Meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Set up a coffee hangout. Go get ice cream. Play putt-putt. Go to the craft brewery or whatever it is you know that they're into. Go, go where they're at. Bring some of your friends in the Lord along with you when it's right. So they can say, hey, those folks are cool too, right? And invite your house church in when it's appropriate. And there's hopefully there'll be a time when it's good to invite them into some house church thing, like a party you're throwing or a barbecue or whatever, okay? Going putt-putt, whatever it is. How can we bring that family of missionary servants into lives of people that are far from God right now? That's a question we should all be asking. So what are some main takeaways today? We are missionaries by identity. It's who we are. Jesus has been sent, so we're sent. Uh, the mission of Jesus should captivate us. It should thrill us. It, it should inspire us. It should be, it make us want to do uncomfortable things for it because of the joy of participating in it. Joy is, is all, it, it's cut all through all this. There's a joy to it that makes it worth whatever pain because of our nearness to him and, and hopefully the love that we're building with one another. 
The mission of Jesus should captivate us. And I'd say, if you're not still, again, not sure about where you are about that right now, take the next 14 days and pray about it. Every day, just seek God. Lord, where am I on this? Am I really into your mission? Do I really see myself as a, as a missionary? Like, does that matter to me? I mean, show me. And trust that it's not going to be like, you know, you're, you're going to get negative feedback from God or like he's going to like, you know, take you to the woodshed. He is your loving father who wants to, to bring you into the fullness and the goodness of all that he's got. Let's trust that. And after 14 days, 14 days. This is worth taking time to get an answer to. You know, and if in your prayers you hear from the Lord, and by the way, it's probably good to ask people that you're close to in the family of God, where, where do you think I am on this? It's good to get outside opinions. Um, <clears throat> it's really good. And, and hopefully, if we're really genuinely loving one another as family, we should be able to have those conversations with each other, right? But if you hear in the midst of this, yeah, I don't know. You seem to be really more into this than you seem to be more into your identity in Christ as a missionary. Okay. Then let's just admit it. <laughs> we can walk in the light as he is in the light. Jesus, I'm just not there right now. But I sure want to get there. And even if, like I said, you are there today, but you're like, I could be more there. Okay. You can say that to God, and he's going to say, let's go. I love you. Let's do this. <laughs> That's so cool about God. He is a loving father. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last of all, we are designed to live out our missionary, missionary identity as a family on mission. Our love for one another and for those who don't know Jesus yet, that's our number one apologetic. A young guy in our house church, Jake, man, he loves apologetics. It's awesome. He's read books that I will probably never get close to, okay? That's cool because he adds to my knowledge base and I don't have to read the books, so that's pretty good. Um, but our number one apologetic is our love for one another. That's what Jesus said. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, which, of course, has always got to be couched in biblical truth. That's always got to be our guide when it comes to loving in God's way of loving. So, questions to consider. You know, how are you living out your identity as a family on mission? I hope these are questions that you would consider in your house churches this week and in your discipleship groups, and in your one-on-ones, and whatever you do to live in rhythm with your family of God that you have in your house churches. Are we living out our identity as a family on mission? Is your house church praying together for friends and family and neighbors and whoever else who don't know Jesus yet? Like, is that a part of your prayer times together? Are you asking your family of God to pray for you as you spend time with folks who don't know Jesus yet? Like, I need prayer cover. I want to make sure this time is maximized for God. And again, not out of guilt. No. 
I really want to be a part of what God's doing for my friend. Would you pray about that? That I get out of the way and let Jesus do his stuff? Yeah. Are you talking with your house church about how they could be a part of what God is doing in the lives of people you know who don't know Christ? And are you setting up coffee hangouts and dinners and parties and watching TV shows or watching sports or whatever it is so that you can show and share the love of Christ with others? Together. How can we be bringing our family of God into that? And how they, can they be bringing us into where they're at with people who don't know Christ? Next weekend, we all have the opportunity to live out our missionary identity by spending time with folks who don't know Christ yet. And you know what? Honestly, you have the opportunity to live out your identity as a missionary for Jesus today. You don't have to wait till next weekend. It's something that we always have with us no matter where we're at and what we're doing, right? Next week is just more like a pin in the calendar to kind of like remind us, oh yeah, that's my identity. So, are you thinking about next weekend? Are you talking with your house church? Are you saying, and maybe you're like, oh yeah, we've got our thing planned and it's like, that's good. Well, do that. But be willing to say, God, is there something else? Is there somebody else? Is there somebody I should be sending a text message to? Is there somebody I could be getting a dinner with? And just, you know, the natural rhythms of life. How do we incorporate people who don't know Christ into that and include our family of God in that? Um, let's be intentional about praying for next weekend as house churches and then getting that time with our friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, and let's watch and see what the Lord does with that. Amen? Amen. Thank you.